This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. Welcome to another edition of the Fenway Rundown podcast, coming to you from Scottsdale, Arizona, and the Major League Baseball General Managers Meeting. It's Sean McAdam. Chris Cotillo is back in Boston and not part of this particular podcast, but Chris will be back with me on Thursday or Friday when we bring you yet another episode. Today we have an opportunity to talk to Pittsburgh Pirates General Manager Ben Charrington, who had new Red Sox Chief Baseball Officer Craig Breslow as a pitcher and player, as GM in Boston when Ben Charrington took over in 2012, and then again later in Breslow's career when Ben was working in the front office of the Toronto Blue Jays. So we talked to Ben about what to expect and what's in store for Craig Breslow, and we'll get to that in a minute. And just a reminder that we are about a couple of weeks in now to our Red Sox Fenway Rundown Insider Text Subscriber Program with an opportunity to text me or Chris Cotillo or Chris Smith, who's with me here in Scottsdale, and get the very latest on the Red Sox. All you have to do is text JOIN to 617-751-6257. And after that, simply click the link and subscribe today. There is a 14-day trial period that you can check out, and then it's $4.99 a month. We think it'll be worth your while and it'll be an opportunity to stay current on all Red Sox matters. Now, Ben Charrington. The obvious question is, and I know you've been asked this, when you had him as a player, did you envision something like this for him down the road? People talk about, well, I could tell he wanted to, this guy would make a good manager, but did you see potential future executive in him? Sure. I didn't know what it would be. I didn't know what the path he would take. You know, was it on the field and in, in, in the front office? Was it, you know, commissioner's office, union, you know, whatever the path would be. I didn't know what it was going to be, but you certainly knew that if he chose to stay in the game in some capacity, that he would do really well and do something meaningful and not surprised it hasn't taken very long. Um, you know, he was, he's obviously, you know, people, people, there's been enough written about how, Right, he is, and everybody knows that. But I think what gets overlooked a little bit, from my experience with him, is just how good a teammate he was as a player. He never, you know, walked around a clubhouse telling him, telling people that he was smarter than they are. He was just, he was a good teammate. He was a competitor, and so I think he brings both that that aspect of himself, um, and obviously a very strong brain and problem solver uh, to the job. And it's a, you know, not many can. Not many people can bring both of those things to a job. What did you see maybe in the, in the aptitude? Was it like curiosity? Was it a willingness to learn? Probably those two things are related. Yeah. Um, certainly, I think curiosity is a good place to start. He's, you know, he had a pretty darn good pitching career for someone who threw 88 for most of it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's not easy to do. So you've got to be pretty curious. And be open to learning to, to be able to do that. Um, I saw him go through several uh, transitions as a pitcher, you know, kind of reinventing himself more than once. That's hard to do. 
Uh, he was a constant problem solver, constantly seeking information. Really, it's, this is easier said than done. Um, every player wants to get better, you know, which not every player is willing to be honest enough with themselves about what the feedback's telling them to actually make a change. Yeah. And he always was. Um, and that that skill's pretty important in this job, too. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got all the, all the equipment, as they say. And you had him also in Toronto yeah. toward the end of his career when he showed a willingness to go down to the minor leagues and try a different arm angle. Um, was that another thing that sort of registered with you, that willingness to, you know, hey, I've been in the big leagues 11 or 12 years, but I'm not above going down to double A and trying something new to, to make myself better and extend my career? It certainly was. You know, I mean, here's a guy who certainly at that point in his life didn't have to do that you know he he could have he could have stopped there and gotten a job two years earlier than he ended up getting one um i think and i think that reflects probably both the competitor um and just the love of the game you know and both those things really stood out You, you obviously had a player development background he's worked in player development how big is the jump that he's making right now? I think it. I think this job is a big jump, no matter what you did before it, whatever the background is. But he does have. He's got. Um, he's got some things going that will really help him. He's he's played in that market. He understands that piece. You know, he's going to walk into a clubhouse. He's not. It's not going to take him a year to build credibility in a clubhouse. It's, he has it right now, so that's that's not something he has to work on. Um, he's been around a really good operation with the Cubs. Um, he's seen, you know, what good process looks like. He's got a good team of people in place in Boston that are, you know, you, there's quite a good level of competency already there. He's not going to have to worry about like are the trains getting in on time and all that stuff. So I, I think there's a lot of things going for him that will make that transition, you know, maybe smoother and faster than it might have been. Sometimes. You talked about the, the credibility that he walks in with. How much of that is having been a player for 12 years and knowing that there's some buy-in immediately with guys who know he knows what it's like to get released. He knows what it's like to be a free agent. He knows what it's like to be traded in the middle of the season. How much buy-in does that get him? It has to help, right? Like I think it. I think it doesn't. It doesn't mean that he won't have a disagreement. Uh, doesn't mean that people are going to agree with everything he does or says. Doesn't mean that players or staff won't have um, things they see differently. But I think where it helps is it just it it speeds up the process of getting to the kind of meat of a conversation. You know, you can kind of skip past the building credibility and into the the meat of the conversation quicker. I know you've talked about the need, sort of maybe something you got from Theo, the need to be able to communicate with players, to solicit their input, see how they're feeling, get their input. Um, Theo did it, you did it. He seems like he's a little ahead of the curve already because of that background that we just spoke of. I would think so, you know. Um, again, don't want to speak for him and what his style will be, but he definitely has the credibility to do it. Um, and he's been working in a job that 
requires that also. You know, like he's working in player development. You have to get feedback from players all the time um, in order to do that job well. So um, certainly anticipate that would be a strength. You know that it's been difficult for the Red Sox to develop homegrown starting pitching for a while. Painfully for me, yes. <laughs> um, that is his area of specialty, and by all accounts, he did a great job of that with the Cubs. Um, how does that transfer to this job? He'll probably hire somebody yeah. to do what he was doing with the Cubs, but he'll certainly have a role in it. And then how, do you, how does he expand that to position players and you know, the team in a larger sense? Well, yeah, he won't be able to do it in the same way he did it. Um, it, it will be the work, some of the work will have to be done by other people. But I, I think the way it translates is just it's the mindset. It's, it's a mindset of, of uh, you know, here's a problem we're trying to solve and how do, you, how do you diagnose it accurately and build the path to solve it and who do we need help from to do that. So um, that's the fun of the work, you know, not easy, but um, expect he'll take that mindset into whatever the problems are. As you noted, this is not any job. It's yeah. a it's a high pressure in the spotlight job, particularly given how the team has struggled the last couple of years. Um, what does growing up in New England, as you did, as he did, and playing for the Red Sox mean in terms of what he can take into the job and know what he's dealing with right out? Of, you know, he's not going to be surprised by anything. He's seen it. Growing up in New England, he's seen it as a player on the field there for four or five seasons. How much can that be a benefit for him? It can be. I mean, I suppose it could, it could be there could be a trade-off there, right? Like, you know, um, you're also more aware of what it means, and that can be that can be a weight also that probably we all felt in some way. But, um, yeah, his awareness level will be really high, and that can be a benefit. He won't be surprised by anything. When you moved into the job, in 2012 um what surprised you most about making the jump up and what what does he need to sort of look out for in that regard i think the i think it was um the amount of time you actually get to spend with the baseball operations group is way less than certainly way less than you were before and way less than I anticipated, even though I, I knew and had been told, well, you're going to spend less time in baseball operations. There's just there's just other pieces of the job that, that become, um, that weigh, get weighed more. And um, you just, you, it, it, this you know, simple thing there is just that it really comes back to, like, you have to develop a, you know, develop a team of people that you can really trust and empower, and, and um, I'm sure that's what I'll do. How long will it take for him to think like, okay, I'm up to speed. I, I don't feel like I'm drinking out of the proverbial fire hose, which everyone has been talking about this week and describing the experience. It's obviously a different timetable for everyone. You had been in the organization for a while when you moved into the role. He's coming from outside, but what's ahead for him in that regard? I don't know. I mean, people say it takes a year for the fire hose to take. I, I, it probably depends on the person. It's different for everybody. Um, it never fully shuts off. I mean, these jobs are, you know, the brain stays on, you know, most of the day and every day. And, um, but I would, I would guess that um, it takes a few months. You know, there's the, the fire hose generally is on for a little bit. 
What surprised you the most about moving into that chair? Um, I think it was mostly what, what I said before about just, uh, you know, as an assistant GM or in these other jobs, um, the things you're spending time on in the, base, in the baseball operation actually don't change that much. It's the amount of time you can spend on um, As an assistant GM, you know, almost 100% of your time can be, you know, kind of with the team of people working through whatever you're trying to work through. And in the, in the lead position, um, it's just other parts of the job become really important and uh, are important. You know, you're, you have a job as a spokesman, you have a job as a, um, as a conduit to ownership and a collaborator with ownership. You've got a job as a um, collaborator and a conduit to the clubhouse and kind of outside of baseball operations. And all that stuff takes time away from baseball ops and and um that was my experience that was the biggest difference as the public face of a big market franchise and the media responsibilities that come with it you've worked now in in big and smaller markets um how much of the job is that now being the the face of the franchise the public facing guy the the guy dealing with reporters updating all of that um you know, he's obviously well-spoken, he can handle himself, but will that, the amount of that kind of be surprising to him? Um, not surprising, I think, but it, it's still, you know, it, it reps, reps are needed, no matter whether it's surprising or not. It's just, you know, no matter who you are, like, the reps are needed. So he'll handle it, he'll handle it really well, though. Thanks, well. Yeah. Appreciate it. Our thanks again to Ben Charrington, general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, for a conversation about Craig Breslow, the Red Sox new chief baseball officer, and a reminder to sign up for the Fenway Rundown Insider Text Program. It gives you the ability to text questions and comments to me, to Chris Cotillo, to Chris Smith, and keep up to date on all the latest Red Sox news. This winter, into the hot stove, at the winter meetings, next spring training, and into the regular season, all you have to do is text JOIN to 617-751-6257, then simply check the link, click the link, and subscribe today, $4.99 a month, with a 14-day free trial period. Lots of people are enjoying it. We think you'll like it, too. We'll be back with another podcast tomorrow with Chris Cotillo. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.